talking about Jesus. I think for many Christians, uh, this topic is just in the too hard basket. Uh, Jeremy began to talk about this last week. Uh, You know, the very last words of Jesus were to go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, That was what Jesus' instruction was. That was what the Spirit was given to us to empower us to do. And if we've been around church circles for a while, thank you, Alison, um, you'll know that this is important. Uh, This is an important thing. We're to tell others about Jesus. The trouble is, it's not on our agenda. And for some of us, actually, we can't think of anything worse than to talk about Jesus. Why would we do this? We would face ridicule or opposition. We wouldn't know what to say. We're not too confident about what we believe in. People are not interested. And so there's a disconnect. And I think we've just got to acknowledge that this is important. When we read the Bible, we understand Christian faith. This is important. But there's a disconnect between it's important, but it's actually, we're not actually doing that. And interestingly, people say to me, well, it's okay for you because you're a minister and so you are trained and so you know what to say to people. Uh, When they check out all these curly questions, you know what to do. I'd actually say that many ministers, uh, myself included, often feel inadequate when it comes to talking about Jesus, when it's outside the church. Because when we stand up here, you guys are relatively nice and and, um, don't ask too many difficult questions, Um, but it's very different when we're in... You know, uh, the sports club, uh, you know, having some drinks after a game, or we're in the smoker room on the work site, or we're in the office having morning tea. It's a very different scenario. I actually don't know too many people at all who are confident uh, in talking about Jesus. So I think the second thing we just need to lay on the table is that we all feel inadequate when it comes to this topic. Now, some of you that have got long memories might think, well, Keith preached about this last year which is true. I actually used the same title as well. Um, And the reason is that Jeremy is correct, that people, Christians, are people who follow Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. I've come to bring good news. The very heart of God is to bring people into his family. The reason you are here is because God is calling or God has called you. If you're a Christian, someone somewhere has talked to you about Jesus. So this is a core subject for Christians. You know, I could run, and I have done in the past, I've run evangelism courses on a Monday night. I could run them for four weeks. What message that sends is that this is not a core subject, this is some specialist subject for those who are just interested in it, and if you're interested, come along on Monday. But it's not. This is a core subject. It's a subject whether we like it or not, we're in it together. So every year, while I'm here, I'm going to do a series called Talking About Jesus. Now, I might have to change the title after a while because you might start not coming. Um, or, um, so I might have to change the title, I'm not sure. I'll see if numbers decline. Uh, but every year, um, I'm going to be doing a series called Talking About Jesus. Now, when I talked about this last year, I, I uh, talked about two really important points to realize. That is, number one, that people are adverse to truth statements today. We live in a postmodern world where when you make a truth statement about God, people react. Is that you're arrogant? You know, who are you? Well, that's what you believe, but it's your truth, but it's not my truth. So people are adverse to truth statements today. And secondly, that people today are further from God than they were 20 or 30 years ago. So the distance from someone 
the average Joe Blow today, from coming to faith to where they are now, is a lot bigger. The gap is a lot more. So people are on a journey, and we need to understand that. So the next two weeks, I'm going to talk about uh, how to do this, how to have spiritual conversations. How do we talk about Jesus? Now, there's not going to be a lot of Bible verses in this, uh, in these talks. The reason being that this is like the application to uh, the Bible verse that uh, Jeremy brought last week, go into all the world and make disciples. See, the problem with the verse is not that we can't understand it. <laughs> we don't need to exegete it and dig into the Greek and Hebrew and goodness knows what to understand, go into all the world and make disciples. The problem is actually doing it. And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, over the next two weeks. So I want to talk about two things, five things, and one thing. All right, two things, five things, and one thing. Two things I want to start off with saying is there are two things I think stopping us from having spiritual conversations. And the first is unbelief. We have this belief that people are not interested in spiritual things. People do not want to talk about spiritual things uh, today. Uh, think about the people you interact with during the week. Uh, think about uh, friends, family, uh, your work colleagues. Are they interested at all in spiritual things? And, and many people think, well, they're not. We're not convinced that people are actually interested in spiritual things at all. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, that God has put eternity in the hearts of every person. God has put eternity in the hearts of every person. That is, every person who is alive hungers for something more in life, something deeper. Every person has a desire to belong, a desire to be loved, a desire to have a purpose, and ultimately, although people search in all kinds of places for that, ultimately that can only be met by God. So the first thing we've got to, the first obstacle is we've got to actually believe that people have a spiritual vacuum in them, and actually people are interested in spiritual things. And every survey shows us that spirituality uh, is, there's not a disinterest in spirituality in New Zealand, there's a disinterest in religion, but there's not a disinterest in spirituality. Every person has a spiritual desire within them. The second key thing that stops us from having spiritual conversations is fear. I'm going to get mocked. I'm going to get ridiculed. I'm not going to know the answers and I'll look stupid. I'm not sure what I really believe. I'll get accused of being a hypocrite because they know what I like. They know I don't have it all together. They know I've not, you know, that I'm, you know, uh, I've been uh, part of the crude jokes and part of the office gossip and, you know, I've not forgiven the person that hurt me. And, and, and I think for many, this fear is huge, and we've got to actually look at it if we ever want to have any spiritual conversations, because it's very real. So I want to address these fears one at a time. First of all, the fear that we're going to be mocked or ridiculed. And the reality is that that might happen. Uh, there is a danger that might happen. We have to face that. Jesus said we would face persecution. Paul said uh, to Timothy, uh, every person that wants to live a godly life will face persecution. Christians have faced persecution throughout the centuries in every country. Jesus, though, did uh, also uh, challenge us when he said, if you're ashamed of me down here, then I'll be ashamed of you uh, in the future on the Day of Judgment. Sometimes it can be a hostility towards us as Christians simply because the Spirit of God is in us, and people's own spirit is reacting to that. 
But I think, too, sometimes our approach lends us to ridicule. I think we can set ourselves up to be mocked and ridiculed. Australian rugby player Israel Folau, I think, is an example of that. If you haven't been following the news, um, famous Australian uh, rugby player, uh, he uh, posted on a um, Twitter post uh, that uh, he was asked what God's plan for gay people was, and he replied, hell, unless they repent of their sins, and he's uh, received a lot of flack. Uh, in the media uh, for a lot of quarters for that. Uh, you know, I think God's plan for gay people, God's plan for every person, is that they become part of the family of God. Uh, God would want them to know they're loved and accepted and made in the image of God. I mean, it's true that ultimately, uh, if we spend our lifetime rejecting God in this life, uh, that God will respect that wish. But was Folau's comments helpful? No. Uh, useful, no, just reinforce the stereotype of Christians and God that's not good. So sometimes we can set ourselves up by our approach to be ridiculed. What about the fear that we don't have the answers? People ask us questions. And this fear is based on the idea that, it, that I've got to somehow have all the answers in the first place, that I've somehow got to be, to be quick on my feet and, and win some debate. Uh, it's just based on a wrong concept of what a spiritual conversation is. If you know, I play tennis. If I have a conversation uh, with someone else who plays tennis about who the greatest tennis player of all time is, uh, would I be nervous about that? No. This is a um, tennis player's d- debate. Uh, who of all time is the greatest player? Now, this debate is unwinnable. All right? It happens in tennis circles, but it's unwinnable because you can't compare people from you know, Bjorn Borg that played in the 70s with a wooden racket versus uh, Federer today. So it's an unwinnable debate. But it's still a discussion that at times in tennis circles happens. Uh, would I be nervous about such a conversation? No, because I've got an opinion. Uh, the other person might have some good views. I might not have thought of them. Uh, I wouldn't be worried uh, if, um, you know, because it's an unwinnable debate. Just as you can't prove in a debate that Jesus is God either. You can't prove it. So we don't need to fear having conversations, as long as we get out of the idea that we have to win or somehow that we have to have all the answers. Last time I shared, um, and I've got that resource if you want it, I said actually really 95% of people's curly questions about Christianity can be summed up in 10 questions, uh, and uh, that would cover virtually 95% of people's objections. And in fact, if you've not grappled with these objections yourself, you probably need to. If you're not grappled with the fact, how can God be good and yet allow suffering? Uh, the reality is you are going to grapple with that at some point in your life. You know, when you get cancer or when your good friend gets cancer, you're going to grapple with that same question. So if you haven't grappled with it, you need to. If you're not grappled with the question of, you know, can I trust the Bible when, uh, you know, some uh, new discovery, supposed archaeological discovery comes on TV, if you're not grappled with that question yourself, you probably need to. Or the issue of hell or, you know, what happens when we die and a good friend of yours who's not a Christian, you know, dies suddenly. If you're not grappled with those questions yourself personally, you probably should have. But we've got to get around the idea that we have to win and we have to have all the answers. Jesus also promised us that when we get put on the spot, he's talking about the disciples that would get hauled before the authorities, that, that he said, don't worry about it. He said, God will give you words to say. Third fear of being accused of being a hypocrite, which is true. We're all hypocrites. We all fail to live up 
to what we profess to believe. The truth, though, is that Christianity is not based on our performance. If it was, we'd all be sunk. In fact, Christianity is based on the fact that we can't meet God's uh, the, you know, expectations. Uh, so if we do get accused of shortcomings, of being a hypocrite, A, we have to acknowledge that and simply say it's true. And secondly, say why it's actually good news. So these are the two big blocks to spiritual conversations, unbelief and fear, and we have to bring them to God. We have to bring them to God, just acknowledge uh, and ask Him to help us to overcome these two, fear and unbelief. But let's say we get over these two. Let's say we get over these two big blocks, and many Christians do at some point get the courage to have uh, some spiritual conversations. Uh, what we do is we often, we often make that much of a hash of it. We kill the spiritual conversation, and then we vow, I'm never going to do that again. That was so terrible, so uh, embarrassing, uh, so messy, I will not do that again. And there's five common ways that we kill spiritual conversations. And the first is when they're just awkward. You know, we try and steer a conversation towards Jesus and, and the person doesn't want to really want to go there and the person looks uncomfortable or we feel uncomfortable. We use this weird language that they don't understand. The person just finds the whole thing creepy and, uh, and we reflect on it afterwards and think, oh, what did I do that for? That was terrible. Or we show disrespect. We disrespect the person when we push a conversation where they don't want to go or we hijack a conversation. And we often show disrespect because we're condescending telling people how they ought to behave, or we're judgmental. To many, many people, this is the one characteristic uh, of Christians, that we are judgmental. And who wants to talk to someone who's judgmental? I mean, we do it at the tone of our voice and our questions, because we're known as people who are against everything. We're against abortion, against homosexuality, against sex, we're against women's rights, we're against everything. So we send a message out, well, I don't agree with you, and I don't accept you. Often actually people uh, will uh, sometimes test us by putting out a provocative statement to see how we react. They want to see, is it, is it, am I safe to talk to this person? So they'll try and push our buttons a bit and put something out there. It's only in an environment of radical acceptance can God conversations happen. The fourth uh, killer of spiritual conversations is control. Often, as Christians, we just dominate the conversation. Uh, we control it. We want to we share. We've got to share our little gospel presentation, uh, however we've been taught it. And so we don't want to listen to questions, and we just want to get it out there. We've been taught a formula, and we're going to say it. Uh, people don't like it. People don't like when the people control the conversation or dominate it, or when it feels scripted. And fifthly, the fifth thing that that kills spiritual conversations is this desire to win. Some people feel, I've got to win. They say, I play tennis, and tennis, uh, is a, the strategy of tennis is basically to manipulate your opponent around the court until you've got them out of position, uh, and then you hit a winner. Okay? It's a very um, Christian game. Um, and uh, the best way, one of the ways to to do well in tennis is, first of all, to have a, a good serve, first, first serve. If you can have a strong first serve, you've got your opponent off balance. So they might get the ball back, but it's a weak reply, and then you're on the front foot. And then some people have spiritual conversations like this. So they go in hard, trying to get the person off balance, you know, and they've got to win points. Um, 
I mean, you can't debate someone into the kingdom of God. If you win a conversation with someone, that means the other person loses. And no one likes losing <laughs> a debate, um, especially in front of other people. Uh, so why would they have another conversation with you if they've lost or lost face? All we've done is put up a whole lot of walls. Dallas Willard said, it's very difficult to be right about something without hurting someone with it. Very difficult to be right about something without hurting someone with it. The person we're talking to is not the enemy. Uh, They're the victims of the enemy. And these five uh, spiritual conversation killers have two effects. Uh, The first is they make it very difficult to have another conversation with the person because they reinforce the stereotype people have had of Christians. You've got to realize that many people have already had one of these conversations with a Christian before. So their walls are already up. They've already, they're already uh, weary, as it were, of us. Uh, but if we use these conversation killers, they think, I'm never going to bring that conversation, that subject, up again. And the second thing is, if we've got any kind of EQ, uh, it actually also puts us off. <laughs> because we feel uncomfortable. We realize the conversation has been awkward. Uh, and so we give up. Two things and five things. I said there was a one thing as well. The one thing. The one skill most needed. Todd Hunter, who's the former CEO of Alpha USA, said this. I'm willing to bet the farm that in our postmodern society, the most important evangelistic skill is listening. Willing to bet the farm that in our postmodern society, the most important evangelistic skill is listening. Now, that's a radical statement because every evangelistic course uh, or training ever done in the past has always been about what to say. And this is saying actually listening. Quite a few years ago, when we were living in Topo, um, we had to drive from Topo up to Auckland to fly out to Australia to visit Roz's family. This is before the days of cell phones. And um, we decided we'd stay in a hotel, the airport inn, near the airport, because uh, they store your car for free, and you have to get it early the next day to go to the airport. Now, I'd lived in Auckland when I was in my 20s, and so I said, no trouble, I can get us there, because I had this old map, uh, and the road was on the map. Um, anyway, we got hopelessly lost. Um, and it was fair to say the tension in the car was up there. <laughs> Um, Roz was not happy. The problem was that the road was there, uh, but in the meantime, they'd stuck a motorway through, um, intersected the road, cut the road in half. So my old map was absolutely no use. My knowledge of the fact I'd lived in Auckland for five or six years was also of no use. The map I had was no good, the knowledge I had was no good. It just did not work anymore. I had to humble myself and go into a service station. Ah. Um, me and never do that. Um, we can get there. Um, we have to learn how to listen. You know, the things we thought we knew about how to share faith don't work today. We have to learn new ways. Often today, less is more and more is less. So often we dump truth on people, not understanding that they're way back here in their journey. With listening communicates, I accept you 
and I respect you. And if you think about it, the people you enjoy talking to are people that respect you and listen to you. There's something about such people that when we feel listened to and respected, we want to open up. We want to say more. We want to share more with such people. Now, listening is not a passive skill. It's not a matter of, uh, mm, yes, yes, mm, yes. Uh, it's not just actually, it's actually actively seeking to understand how the person ticks. Poor listening is when we try and give advice to fix the problem, or we disagree with what the person said, or we interrupt the person, or we think about what we're going to say when they're talking, or we fiddle around with objects on the table, which is what I do. Um, None of that is good listening. One way to listen well is to reflect back what we've heard, and this is a case whether it be in marriage or anywhere. So we reflect back and we say to the person, so if I'm hearing you right, this is what you're saying. Or, you know, the big thing for you is whatever. It's a very simple way of ref- when we reflect back to ha- to that the person feels we've listened to them. The Bible's got some interesting stuff to say about listening because actually it's surprisingly difficult to do because we want to say, well, I do, we want to say our thing uh, rather than actually taking the time to listen. Proverbs 18, 13 says, Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Typically blunt proverbs. James 1.19 says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Doug Pollock's written a great book called God's Space, and uh, he contends that good listening opens up God's space faster than anything else. God's space is a space where the Spirit of God is at work, as it were, in a conversation. And part of that active listening, he suggests using a phrase, I was wondering. I was wondering. Now, last year when I taught this, this is your test for the day. Last year when I, was taught, I taught on the subject, I taught you three questions to ask. Now, if you were at Flock last week, you're not to answer this. Um, all right. Last year, I taught three great questions to ask uh, in our Truth Adverse Society. Who can remember, I'll give a chalky bar to someone who can remember, one of the three questions I taught you to ask. All right, see, that just illustrates why you're going to get this every year. Uh, all right? No, I actually, you had some answers at Flock, so yes? Yes, that's right. Right. Well done, Val. That's right. Anyone else can remember any of the questions? Yes? No, but I'll still give you a chalky bar for that, because <laughs> it's a good try. Sounds a good question. <laughs> um, first question I said when people say stuff like, oh, the Bible's a load of rubbish, it's just made up, is what do you mean by that? All right, what do you mean by that? Helping just them to explain, well, what do they actually mean it's rubbish? All right, when they explain some more, you say, what led you to that conclusion? All right, you remember this now? Coming back? Right, that's why you're going to get it every year. What led you to that conclusion? Because they might just have seen some clip on YouTube and come to that conclusion. They might have had some really bad experiences uh, in the past. Um, They might have been brought up in a Christian home and whatever. There's all kinds of reasons. So that helps you understand, where did they get this conclusion from? And the third question to ask was, have you ever considered? So putting, dropping an alternative worldview into their minds. Now, Doug Pollock would say a good way to ask those questions is, I was wondering, just softens it a little bit. I don't know, what do you mean by that? Uh, I was wondering 
It's, it's, it's a very soft, non-threatening way to ask a question. I was wondering, what do you mean by that? And he suggests some other I was wondering type questions. I was wondering what you think about Christianity. I was wondering if you've ever thought about God. I was wondering if you could ask God one question, what would it be? I was wondering what puts you off Christianity the most. I was wondering if you've ever had any experience of church or religion. I was wondering if you've ever had any weird experiences that made you think about God. An amazing number of people have had experiences, spiritual and inverted commas experiences, that they cannot explain. They know that it's something, uh, and these experiences might be God experiences or demonic experiences or whatever, but they've had experiences and they simply don't know what to do with them. Uh, they're sort of weird experiences that something happened there and I don't really understand. They're good listening questions because they're non-threatening and they help you understand a person. Now, the key in asking questions like this is not to use these questions in a sort of way to then drop our agenda on the person. So, we're not to just have a quick listen and then get on to my spiel that I'm going to say. Actually, we're genuinely desiring to understand and listen and not actually say anything. Simply say, I was wondering what you think. Potentially reflect back what they say. So, if I hear you right, here's what you said. And then simply say nothing. It will be very hard for some of us. <laughs> simply say nothing, unless they ask. Don't say anything, because uh, you're building up relationship and trust. You're not going to drop something on the person uh, that they didn't ask for. Uh, you simply allow them to space. You've understood. Now, they might ask, but they might not. Uh, it doesn't matter, but you've begun a spiritual conversation. So what are the two big things we need to deal with? Fear and Unbelief. It's only five minutes ago. (laughs) All right. What are the five ways that we kill spiritual conversations? Awkwardness, control, judgmental attitude. That's three. Disrespect, four. Ah, desire to win. You're the competitive one, eh? (laughs) You write it down. All right, okay. (laughs) And desire to win, that's right. And what is the new best evangelistic skill? Oh, you got that one. Listening. All right, here's your homework challenge. All right? Your homework challenge. This week, I want, uh, I'm going to pray in a minute, uh, challenge you to have a conversation where you use I was wondering question. All right, I was wondering to someone you know who's not a Christian. Okay, I was wondering. And uh, then uh, practice your reflective listening so you feel, so what you're saying is, and then say nothing unless asked. All right, say nothing unless asked. And to make it really, really easy, if uh, you're really nervous about having a spiritual conversation with someone, I'll even allow you that this conversation has nothing to do with God at all. Just to practice the skill, <laughs> all right? Just ask a I was wondering question of someone. Just to, I was wondering. I was wondering what you thought about the fact the Warriors won on Saturday, <laughs> Friday, all right? 6 1. Uh, all right? So you feel like you can't care less about the Warriors, all right? So that's reflecting back when they say, all right? And then say nothing. 
Well, that could be hard, actually, if they say that. Um, <laughs> all right, so you're just practicing the skill. Now, ideally, you, get, you might ask it about something slightly deeper than the Warriors, um, but you're beginning to practice a skill. I was wondering, and then reflect back what you hear them say, and then actually say nothing. All those three are skills. One is uh, listening, I was wondering. One is good listening back. And the third is actually learning that less is sometimes more. Are you up for the challenge? It's not too difficult, is it? All right, you get someone that you know that you could actually try, oh, I was wondering, type question. All right, what's the time? So uh, let's stand, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you next week how you got on with your homework. God, we just acknowledge that often we are really fearful about having a spiritual conversation. And we acknowledge, God, that often we have uh, been guilty of just mucking those up, making them really awkward or uh, just not listening well, killing the conversation. So, God, we acknowledge that. And we acknowledge, Lord God, there's a gap between what you say is important and what we're actually doing. God, we bring that to you. God, I pray for each of us this week that we might have opportunity simply to listen well, to understand where another person might be coming from, and to hear them well, Lord God. May, God, we be known not as people that are against everything, but, Lord, may we be known as people that are good listeners, people, Lord God, that uh, others want to open up to and share because we actually listen well and respect their viewpoint and honour them for who they are. So God, I pray this week you might give us a chance to practice being good listeners. In Jesus' name, amen.